0: welcome to the new business diaries brought to you by the IPA's new business and marketing group in this series we speak to some of the biggest names in our industry on the hot topics in the new business world I'm Julia Franks group growth director at publicist group UK and in this week's podcast I'm talking to Larissa Vince the CEO of now about her unconventional career path and rise to the top what she has learned along the way, and why she thinks new business and the advertising industry is the most interesting and exciting place to work. Welcome to the IPA New Business Diaries podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Larissa Vince, the CEO at Now and an ex-president of our very own IPA New Business and Marketing Group. Larissa, hello, how are you? Hey, I'm very good. How are you, Julia? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for welcoming me via Zoom into your house. (laughs) It's a new way of doing these things. Um, But today we're going to be talking about the new business function, your rise to the top and the learnings that you've picked up along the way. Um, But first, I thought to kick us off, some of our listeners may not know your background. um, So I thought it'd be great if you could walk me through what led you into new business in the first place.
1: Yes, I mean, I do have, I suppose, um, a slightly unconventional career path, although I also think that... The advertising industry has always been brilliant for um, welcoming people from all sorts of different backgrounds and actually probably only recently has got a bit less good at that. Um, but I actually started my career as a journalist. Um, so I was a journalist for the first probably 15 years of my uh, working life. I loved it. It was sort of a vocation for me. I like I like writing an awful lot. Um, but then I had uh, my daughter. I was really quite thinking about wanting to have another baby and actually the downside of journalism is it's terribly badly paid and as most working mothers will know once you have two children it really you do really need to start earning something serious (laughs) in order to um to cover your childcare. so I had a little bit of a think and thought oh I'm going to do something else and because at the time when I left journalism I was the deputy editor of campaign I obviously knew lots and lots of brilliant and exciting people in advertising I really loved the industry from the outside so I thought I'd really like to get involved and so my um, uh, funnily enough Robert Senior who you will know very well I do um, yes. with someone who I'd really you know had been a very good contact for me as a journalist I always thought he hated me we used to row all the time there's <laughs> a very good lesson that the people who often some of the people that you row the most with are the people that respect you the most because when I left campaign he offered he was the first person to offer me a job Um, and that's how I got into advertising and I started doing a little bit in PR and then I moved into new business and then I spent quite a lot of time in new business um, both for Saatchi and Saatchi and for Fallon and for the publicist group uh, before becoming managing director at Saatchi and Saatchi and now CEO
0: at Now. Brilliant thank you very much it is a a different way into the industry but as you say I like the fact that you know it's an industry you'd always admired and therefore your way in um was probably plotted without you even knowing subconsciously. well it wasn't necessarily
1: plotted but I because I also I worked in Australia for a while in journalism and I used to cover various industries and I can tell you advertising is a lot more interesting than oil and gas which was one of the other industries <laughs> that I once covered in my career so just <laughs> full of incredibly interesting people the creative work obviously is the is the stuff that gets us all excited yeah. um you know so it was it was it was really appealing actually
0: good and how much has your involvement in the new business function specifically do you think been a driver for where you are today because as the ceo of now and um coming through that pr and marketing and new business function um what has it kind of given you that's that set you up for success as ceo um well i
1: think if you look back at um you know, the recent or even possibly longer history of our industry, you would be hard pushed to find a successful CEO that hasn't spent some time in your business. It's so important to all of our agencies. It's important for the culture of the agency that you're pitching, that you're good at pitching. It's obviously really important for growth. Um, It's kind of baked into just the DNA of how we all work. And so I actually don't think you can run an agency really well unless you really know how to do it. Mm -hmm. It does mean that, as I say, some people have spent little bits of their career in new business on on their way up. But I mean, I think it's incredibly important. I also think the roller coaster of working in advertising that I think we all recognize Mm. uh, attracts a certain type of person. And the roller coaster of new business is almost the extreme version of the roller coaster of advertising. (laughs) So if you can cope with that and actually if you enjoy it, better still, if you enjoy it, then you're probably going to be a decent CEO because you'll be used to it and you'll be happy to, to ride that, um, that roller coaster. And, you know, I have days where I wish it was a bit calmer, but
0: um, mostly <laughs> I like it. Yeah, exactly. It's a really good um, analogy, actually, the ups and downs. You have to go all the way up and all the way down and very, very often within with the space the of an hour. Yes, exactly. <laughs> One conversation or one meeting can go all over the place, can't it? A proper loop.
1: Yeah, and I mean, actually, funny enough, talking about my previous career, journalism is not dissimilar. So, the particularly news journalism, so the excitement of chasing a story is—it's a similar feeling, actually. To to you know, as as we were just saying, you know, the, the sort of highs and lows of of the business. It's not that different.
0: I suppose as well, actually, thinking to, you know, things like RFIs and the nitty gritty areas of new business, it is about unearthing those insights and unearthing those reasons why people are going to hook into you. Um, Oh yes, Julia. Julia, at this, you ought to explain at this point that you and I used to work together. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Julia, Julia used to be. um, I always thought it was terrible uh, working on a team with me and uh, having to do an RFI because inevitably I am quite a good writer I mean having spent a long time doing it so my red pen sometimes used to come out um yeah it's really it's helpful for that but it's also it's very helpful for uh understanding storytelling which is yeah. basically how you know in pitching but in selling work you know you generally speaking you have to have a story in mind um and so it's helpful for that I think also having a an appreciation um I have a I have very high empathy I think for creative people because I spent 15 years with everyone picking my work apart and so I really recognize the um the the creative departments particular challenges um where you know they spend ages coming up with little gems of things and they might not be quite right and then they walk into a meeting and everybody rips it apart and I recognize that because it used to happen to me, right? That what happens yeah. in journalism. You write something and then all the editors just rip it apart. And actually the difference in journalism is they just rewrite your copy, which at least doesn't happen in advertising. <laughs> but I do, um, yeah, I, I recognize that. And I think, again, you know, it, it, we're talking about leadership or um, what do you need to to be a good leader? I think having an uh, understanding of the whole agencies. uh situation and how can you help them make that better or what what can you do to to just accommodate the individual situation they're in I think are all things that you need um,
0: yes yeah great um, but today we find ourselves in a very um different situation I mean we're both talking to each other now on zoom um haven't been into our offices in months um, What? specifically thinking about that and again the new business function and kind of pitching because we've all been doing it the industry hasn't stopped while we've been on lockdown um you know I know it's it's quietened down um at the beginning maybe while people figured out what they were doing um but it very much hasn't gone away which is great we don't want it to um, but what have you found or what have you learned during this time of remote working that you think you're going to take back into normality because I think it's good for us to find the positives in these things, uh, what would you say is one of a few of those for you? Well, I mean, the main thing, and this is a bit of a soft
1: uh measure, really. The main, the, the absolute main thing is not so not worrying as much, um, because this has been such an unusual time. I mean, as we were just saying, it's always a little bit roller anyway, our business, but it's been the most unpredictable time, certainly, in my working life things have dropped in and dropped out at the absolute drop of a hat um it's impossible to forecast or you can forecast but without really the sort of certainty that you would normally have and i it sort of came to me probably in the middle of last year that there's just no point worrying about it because there's nothing you can do and i um previously as well i don't know if i've ever told you this in the days when we were allowed out i was on a bus once and I was just sitting I think, on my way into work, and um, behind me, I could hear a boy, probably about twelve, talking to his mum and I wasn 't really listening, but I could hear his mum say to him something like, "Oh you're just like your dad, you never worry about anything." And the boy turned around back to her and said, "But mummy, if you worry, you just get the bad thing twice, which is like such a sort of oh, i don't know why I was like, "Oh you're so right um, <laughs> And so ever since then, I've tried to, tried to keep that. And I think that's been very helpful, particularly yeah. in this environment. And I think, you know, it's something that I try and tell my team a lot as well, because it's very easy to get worried or panicky. And, you know, timescales are so short and things are changing at the last minute. Um, but really, there's no point because it doesn't change anything. It just makes you feel worse. So that's, the, that's, that's a real big one that's yeah. actually helped me kind of manage this, this period that. of time. On a, on a sort of more functional level, and I guess from a new business point of view, it's been really interesting, hasn't it? Because, um, well, certainly we found that the, so there are ways of winning a pitch yeah, uh, and there are sort of tactics. And we, I could probably spend about three hours talking about this, but I won't. But, but ultimately what you're trying to do fundamentally is get the client to buy into you as a team, and your work and the way to get that you know in the in the days of face-to-face pitching it's actually in some ways easier and harder but you know you've got different ways in which you can be interesting you've got ways of building bonds with people because you're face-to-face in rooms you have the ability to go and try and have a coffee with them slightly off the off uh, the uh process but actually over the last year we've just had this which is Zoom. So that it's very difficult to build emotional connections. Um, you know, there are things you can do with Zoom to make it more interesting in presentation. But what's happened is uh, I think clients are buying work off decks now, rather more, much more so than they're buying Teams. And for me, what, what I've learned from that is, you know, you have to be, you have to be memorable in a pitch situation. So if you think about it from the client's point of view, say they're seeing five agencies, four or five agencies, might be more if it's a really big pitch.
0: Yeah.
1: And every agency is presenting three ideas. You've got a minimum of 12 ideas that a client is seeing in an incredibly short period of time over a Zoom call without really knowing much about the people, being able to remember individuals or think, mm-hmm. oh, I like that person. You know, if you're not memorable, you're not going to win because they won't even remember you presented. I mean, you know, which which for me makes me make has made us be more be braver and more um, confident in the work that we're presenting. Mm-hmm. And actually, on occasion, the last one we won, we won five pitches last year. So we've been doing really well. Oh. But the last one that we won, we only presented one idea. And it was an idea that they told us in the previous round they thought was too scary for them. But we brought it back for the final pitch and it was the only one we presented. So actually we thought it was the right thing to do and as it yeah. turned out afterwards they said they actually did say yours was the only idea we remembered after the entire process so you know I just it, 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 it's easy to talk about the function of zoom or you know yeah. like put everyone in a chat room before they come in create moments for the cancer but yes you should do that but actually also think about the psychology of the experience
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, what do you think as a new business person or someone who's involved in a pitch at your agency, what do you think you need to do to, to be remembered and do it? Yeah. Would be
0: my advice. I love that. I love that. And I do, that as you say, it's, it is so important because as soon as you hit present mode, the person presenting becomes tiny in the corner and, you know, voices are very hard to remember when you don't know what the faces look like that go along with them. So I think that's fantastic. I really like that and well done for the confidence in just taking that one idea in. Thanks. Brilliant. It works.
1: I mean, it's not going to work every time, but you know, we really felt it was the right thing and that helps as well because, you know, again, if, if you, if you are very confident that you have the right answer, then the client, can feel that confidence and it gives them confidence in you too whereas if you sort of keep changing it or oh they quite they quite liked it but can we make it different and then you do it it's ah, I don't know I think in a pitch it's the time to be confident and you'll
0: probably do better if you do definitely and I I I believe as well that there's nothing more frustrating than feeling like you should have done something else in a pitch. But if you can genuinely say hand on heart, we did everything right and we wouldn't have changed a thing. Yeah. And if you don't win, it just wasn't the right opportunity for you. And if you'd have changed that idea, you could have potentially felt like that. Yes. And, and uh, I couldn't agree more.
1: I mean, I, I actually don't mind not winning. I really mind not doing a good job. That yeah. really upsets me but I don't mind not winning. And I think that's quite an important psychological trick as well as an agency to try and lose that fear of losing because the, it makes you second guess yourself and it makes you overanalyze it. And it makes you just try and tick boxes that the client's probably not even thought of. And it, it goes into your body language and then they, people pick it up. Uh, I, Cause I always say the thing is, I think you and I have talked about this before. If you lose a pitch, you haven't really lost anything. You've just lost the opportunity of something, which is very different to losing an account. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it's all psychology pitching. It's all psychology, which is why an agency that's not doing very well can suddenly get on a streak and win five in a row, or an agency that's doing brilliantly can suddenly lose its confidence and lose five in a row. It's, it's just psychology. That's all it is. I
0: love that. Um, it leads me quite nicely onto uh, another question that I had, which is, you know, you're running an agency now, um, which means that, you know, your day job isn't just new business, it's a function of your day job, but there's a whole host of other tasks that you need to do. Um, how do you manage that balance of keeping clients happy, happy, sorry, but also managing that pipeline of growth and new business? what because I know sometimes you know big agencies may have a dedicated new business function but smaller agencies don't you know no, and, and
1: we also don't the... have HR or exactly. legal or anything else <laughs>
0: um so yeah it, but the thing is it, it
1: I mean it's smaller so there's less so there are fewer clients and so there are you know fewer people to look after and fewer pitches so um yeah I, I mean the, I've always been really quite bad at work-life balance if I'm honest with myself um, and <laughs> you know I don't know my husband would probably say I'm still terrible but I'm a lot better than I was um and it, and it's it's really because uh, going back to the worry thing you know actually as long as I keep it within a um a distinct period of time and don't spend the evening stressing about it or doing emails and things I'm actually okay yeah um but work life balance is really hard and it's it's easier the more senior you get because you can sort of set the balance yourself I think it's really very difficult particularly for people earlier on in their careers because you are slightly at the you know I do not really know how to put this the the environment that you're in is going to dictate your ability or otherwise to switch off and if you are in a very intense high stress long hours environment it's actually even if you do set your own boundaries and stop you know that that environment can invade your personal time mm-hmm. But, um, you know, having said that, I did work. I've worked a lot of my career part time, particularly after I have my children. I spent some time doing three days a week, four days a week and more recently five. And yeah, boundary setting is what it is. is. You just got to be really clear about where your own personal boundaries are. Don't expect everyone else to accommodate them. Understand that you're probably going to have to call them out a few times and people will forget that actually you don't work on a Friday or actually I can't do meetings after six o'clock or whatever it is don't get offended because people have forgotten because the reality is you're just not that high up their priority list. So you're going to have to keep reminding them. Um, And you know, that's kind of, that's all you can do really, but it's, it's not, yeah, it's hard for all of us really.
0: Have you found um, with your agencies, with your agency, um, that it's something that your, your teams are also struggling with? How have you kind of helped them put boundaries out um, and manage the kind of the balance or is it, Now,
1: now now, actually is, has always had, an, I think, quite uniquely amongst agencies, a very um, positive culture around things like this. Um, it really is not our normal practice to work evenings and weekends. And so, you know, sometimes when you see agencies going, oh, we've got a new rule that you can't have an email after six o'clock. I mean, that's kind of always been our rule. And I mean, obviously, there would be if in an emergency and there's a pitch, you know, people will work weekends if they need to. But we've we've always started from the other way around. Like the assumption is you won't. Um, And so it's a bit different. Whereas I know there are lots of quite a lot of agencies which aren't like that. Um, It's hard, isn't it, to work out where that, that all comes from or how it all starts. But yeah, I mean, we have things. We have a flexible working policy at the agency. We had a flexible working task force that put it together. We do things like, um, you know, we pretty much finish every Friday at four o'clock. It's not really a summer thing. It's all the time. And we try and all sit together when, we're, when we are together um, and have drinks together at that time, but not doing it in the evening. Like that's all your work time, I suppose, but it's an important bonding moment we do, we have lots of staff, lots of agencies do this, you know, we've got a wellness, um, a wellness program where we have yoga sessions for everybody and, you know, stuff like that, really. But, um, but I do think it's about stress. I mean, that's, for me, at least, there's, there's how long are you working? And then there's how stressed are you are in the rest of the time. Yeah. So really, what I always would try and be doing is reduce the stress levels, particularly in non working hours, or having an environment where, switching off is definitely possible is the thing that's what you need. Yeah. you know, it's too much otherwise.
0: Yeah. And I think it is as important as well. In fact, we I know we've talked about this before. You can stress is stress at times is it's helpful. It does give you drive. And therefore, you know, sometimes you especially when you've got a deadline or, you know, there is an RFI or a pitch meeting coming up, you need that momentum within you to kind of keep going. But what I think you need to do is ensure that it just can't take over. Exactly new business is a function that you just ha- you have to enjoy you know you have to kind of embrace it it's an amazing opportunity to you know and it's an it's an amazing role to have within an agency you know everyone that was um, brilliant yeah was absolutely and, brilliant I mean I, I always absolutely loved it you know I could never understand it that
1: funnily enough when I started at Saatchi's all those years ago I mean honestly new business was like worse than the finance department people used to hide people used to hide when they saw me coming primarily I think because they knew I'd be asking them to do something that they didn't want to do <laughs> actually the, the culture of new business obviously and you being there as well before you were at publicist group um you know it's changed it's not like that anymore I mean this was a long long time ago yeah you know there still is a view in some agencies that new business is not you know I don't know it's not like aspirational somehow or um it's not the most the best department but of course it's absolutely brilliant okay it's like so brilliant pitching is the best thing particularly successful pitching but even unsuccessful pitching if you've got a great like team dynamic going on it's just it's very exciting and fun and that's what it should be like right and so yeah yeah, I, I think it's I just think it's brilliant I think everyone should do it for a while I think you learn things you don't learn anywhere else And like you say, the adrenaline is you can get a bit hooked on that adrenaline. It's it's um, it's fun.
0: Yeah, no, I completely I completely agree with you. It's fun. But when it starts to when people do get stressed by it, you you have to pull them up on it and, you know, make sure that everyone understands that we're in it together Uh, because I do know I've seen people again in. It, not necessarily even in the new business function but when they've come into a pitch situation because the the pace of it is so incredibly different to what you would normally do on a piece of client business and sometimes people just don't quite understand you know if, if it's a new if it's your first pitch in, and mm. you're an account manager you know you're not quite necessarily sure what you're kind of walking into um and I think it's important well, so I think yeah, yeah I mean the only piece of advice I would give to new business people
1: is you've got to remember this is your 100 percent job and the people who are coming in have already got an 100% job exactly, yeah. as well. So unless they've been taken off their account for the two months of the pitch, which let's face it, never happens. They're just <laughs> they're trying to do two percent jobs in 100% of time. And that, that's why it's difficult. And it's also why you, know, you find certain types of... You know, not everybody in the agency is going to be brilliant in new business. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, because you can be good at other things too, like all different yeah. things, that's fine. But the people who are good could be brilliant we won't mention names but both you and I could mention people that we know are brilliant and we work with in the past and you know yeah some people are just great at it yeah
0: exactly exactly um so obviously we've kind of touched on it because um it just it's just the nature of our conversation um but obviously we've worked together um and you've been in both a big network agency and now you're in an independent is the route to new business success differently different um, coming at it from either side? Um, well, I suppose the, there are some
1: major differences. The fundamentals are the same, and we talked about that before. Um, you know, I still, I think there are certain ways to win which remain the same. And I suppose one we haven't talked about, but one which I don't think agencies do anywhere near enough is, um, you know, it's really important early on in the pitch to work out what what is going to win and that's never on the pitch brief you have to do quite a lot of investigation to work it out you have to talk to lots of people at the client maybe former agencies people that know them and if you do that you can you can usually work out what it is that's going to win so for example it might be um i don't know they've had this massive massively important brief With their existing agency for four or five months the agency just hasn't managed to crack it so in that scenario they want to buy an idea yeah or it might be i don't know their bosses has a friend who runs an agency and so they've been with this agency for five years and the day-to-day client team really don't like them they get really annoyed that their boss always rings the agency boss always rings their boss and they feel really undermined so actually they want to buy a team that they feel yeah. really strongly in. or i don't know there could be something else like i don't know a venture capital company has just bought you know there's any sorts of reasons but once you worked out what it is and it's never in the pitch brief you just you have to work it out really early and you have to build a strategy to against that client need and you just have to stick to it like and don't get don't waver throughout the process and suddenly think oh perhaps it's actually this we'll do this as well like just really be single-minded yeah. um and you know that is really the art of account management on a pitch work out what the actual real thing is that they want and then make everyone do it don't compromise anything you can still do brilliant creative work and all this kind of stuff but you know, it's particular so um those sorts of things are the same but there are some massive differences too so um, obviously the nature of the pitch that we would tend to do is quite different from um, what a big network agency would do we do tend to pitch on uk only although we did just win the global piece of business but tend to pitch on uk only accounts tend to be fewer clients tend to be fewer people our end much more simple much less complex <laughs> much less involvement from a team of 35 all in different markets or various disciplines uh which is you know i mean gosh that's i like it more but then i would because that's what i went to do so um there are sort of pluses and minuses i think the other thing which is really important and is much easier at an independent is the number of decision makers is much fewer so in our case there's me my, our cso and our cco and we are the decision makers and in the discipline in which we operate the person that runs that discipline is ultimately the decision maker even though we would always talk about it but that's it so it's kind of quite clear yeah whereas as as you know junior in, in big networks or you know sort of holding company level groups there are often dozens of incredibly senior decision makers all of whom are incredibly busy and have I don't know, 300 other things they need to do that day. So that does make it more complex and a different thing that you have to work out, you Mm. know, uh, you have to navigate your way through, but the prizes are bigger. So, you know, I don't know, maybe that's good, Mm. but yes, those are the, those are the, those are the differences. The other thing I guess is easier for us is we only ever pitch together. So you get to know each other's ways of doing things. It's like, You you get that sort of muscle memory of how to do it. Whereas, again, in a larger agency, often there are multiple variations or varieties of pitch teams. And so, you know, that you need a bit of time to learn each other and learn how you will work, learn that sort of complete honesty that you need to be able to have with each other and sort of trust. So you can say to your CCO, do you know what that's not right we need to go again early and they won't be really cross well they might be but they take, they um they understand like you've built sufficient trust between you that they go with that because you've said that so those things are harder when just the team isn't used to pitching together so um yeah there are differences
0: yeah no I think that's really interesting I mean the one thing that I always um you know I, I kind of always kick off a pitch with is you know you have to always respect the expertise that, and where it's coming from because you know everyone has an opinion and especially yeah. on pitch everyone wants to voice their opinion because you know it's really exciting but what you do need to do is you know just always make sure that you know but the person whose specialism this is and whose expertise this is is the one that does make that decision as you say you know you can definitely share and I think when pitching it's good to share because you never quite know where that nugget of genius is going to come from but you you need to you know kind of foster a sharing and nurturing environment but always know where the decision is going to be made um, and how do you just i mean i know we're not interviewing you but you know just
1: because i'm interested um <laughs> how how what do you really see as the role of the new business person on the pitch because i always think that's very interesting as well because every single agency does it differently and every single new business person does it differently and there are so many potential roles that the new business person can play Um,
0: what, what do you think the best role for a new business person in a pitch is? I mean, I think it kind of depends on the pitch brief. Um, because I've got, you know, in, in my background from a small below the line agency to a, a bigger network agency to another network agency and now into kind of the holding company level. Um, it kind of depends on what the task is because if it's a small team and it's a quick turnaround, then the new business role on that can be absolutely everything from being part of the actual physical pitch team and potentially being in the room um, when it's a bigger piece um, of new business and a much bigger pitch then it is very much kind of that orchestration yeah. um, i think being the one thing that i love the most probably actually about being a new business is just i don't think there is any other role in an agency where you genuinely get to know who everybody is on every level you know you know who to go to to speak about something that someone else might not even know exists as a as a specialism in the building um so you know connecting people and understanding where to get the right answer or knowing who to go to who will know who to go to to get the right answer you know that for me is the really exciting bit so i think it's i think it's orchestration i think it's keeping everyone um kind of plotting along you know you know this, Larissa, I'm a stickler for process. Yes, I do know. You and I really like attention at to detail. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it's really important that the new business person is the person kind of reminding everyone how many days we've got, where we are in the process, what else we need to think of. You know, it's so easy to get carried away with the, the fun, shiny elements of pitching when actually there are so many other just as important elements, you know, the legal, the commercial, the negotiation, the model all those things that can happen in the background, but you need to make, you know, the new business person needs to make sure that it is all just moving on and everything Mm. on track and that nothing's been forgotten. You know, there's always about 12 asks in an RFI, but you only really focus on three um, because they're the fun questions. So again, just making sure that everything is kind of moving on. Um, So I think it it depends. I think in, in the beginning on an RFI and a creds and a chemistry, there is more involvement, but again, you have to hand over. I don't run business. And I don't build mm. relationships with clients, so that isn't my area of, of expertise and specialism. And actually, they're not buying me in a room; they're buying you. Yeah, and I'm, you know, it's really good that to have
1: to have that sort of attitude. And I think you know, because I think some, I mean, you started in account management, didn't you? Yeah, many many moons ago. Yeah. But you know, there's there is a there's a un- very understandable uh, tendency within agencies to give new business to an account person uh, rather than what I'd describe a bit more as a sort of new business specialist or, or someone who has really a passion for new business. And it's really quite challenging for the account person because it's, it's, it's a very selfless role, Like you don't really get very much glory. I mean, as we know, right? You don't, you don't tend to be the person that everyone's going, oh, Julie, you've done an incredible job with making sure that the health and safety policy question in the RFI was answered beautifully. Yeah. Very unusual. And, and often you're just the person running around and everyone else is telling you what to do and you don't have that client relationship necessarily. Sometimes you might not even be, um, you know, asked for your feedback on internal creative or anything. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very selfless actually as a role, but it's, you know, so, it, so you have to be, um, I don't know, it's hard that isn't it and that, I do think that's why account people sometimes can find it difficult to transition yeah. into new business because it's very difficult to let go of that but I've got the client relationship or you know what you, you see as your role is is a very different role mm-hmm. um, and that might be why so, sometimes account people struggle but you know if you can think about new business almost as you know you're you're because you, you talk about it in a brilliant way and you've described it in a really brilliant way. I think the other thing is the, the role of the connector is also about understanding the psychology of everybody, client and agency, and creating a situation in which your agency is, is, has got the absolute best possible chance of winning. Yeah. You know, you're, you're kind of like you're just creating all of those foundations and always thinking, What do we need to do? What do we, what haven't we done? What do we need to do? And and that's, so you're creating basically that environment for success, which is,
0: um, you know,
1: massively important
0: really. It is. It is. Um, All right. So kind of final question then. I mean, I loved earlier on your, the boy on the bus and the Mm. worry quote, but is there any mantras that you live by or any great advice that you've been given that you can share that we can kind of round this lovely conversation up with? No. Um,
1: manchas. I don't know about mantras I
0: advice
1: advice. You you've just got to love the work and the people, haven't you? That's kind of all you can do. I mean, I sometimes wonder why we're all in this business, but I mean, I think those are the reasons why we're in this business. I don't really know if about you, but you know, the the privilege of being able to be involved. In the creative product is you know it's it is the privilege of what we do and the privilege of being surrounded by incredibly clever smart lovely inspiring people is the other sort of privilege of it so if you're feeling stressed or oh my god you've lost three pictures in a row and you're thinking oh i'm just terrible at my job or what am i doing this for i've been up till four a.m. in the last three nights putting out a massive RFI. You know, just try and remember those things, because those yeah. are the things which are great. And and you know, I do have, as we were talking about at the beginning of this chat, I have had the experience, which some quite a lot of people in advertising haven't, of working in different industries. And I can promise you it's not as interesting. It really isn't. <laughs> the people aren't as interesting. The the work that you do isn't as interesting it's not and so you get used to that because you're working in it all the time it's a it's a privilege so you know we're just remembering that I think will make you happier and also probably get you to better work which you know
0: is the point of all of it anyway in the end exactly exactly wonderful thank you Larissa what a great way to end um so I was joined by Larissa Vins the CEO at now thank you for the insights the great advice that you've given us and thank you so much for your time it's my pleasure